Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, motherfuckers. We'll pick up the fat lad with you here in the house, and we have one more time got the guest star of Paul Lynn joining myself and our resident co-host, Ryan Blue Bowen, and the Rolly Royce. <laughs> now, I behaved like something of a prick, as is so often the case, my wife assures me, in our last episode by wrapping it up just as we were getting warmed up. We're just getting into a flow, just starting to find a feet, and there's always some peanut who's going to wrap it up at that time. Might as well be me. Paul, you've just made a really good point on that, mate, about your Lachlan Adair training. And we covered that when we did your um, sort of Paul Lynn deep inside piece. And I just wanted you to go into a little bit more detail on that, because it seems like it's becoming more of a thing for arm wrestlers, modern day arm wrestlers, uh, students of the game these days. They have that opportunity to sort of reach out to other pullers that they want to try and take a piece of their game or take a piece of their knowledge from and get some real in-depth insight. Just just walk people through that, but who may not know what you've done. Right. So, actually, I've talked to Lachlan quite a bit um, over the past years or so, and um, and, and I know that he, he kind of used Giannis as his his coach. Um, and now Lachlan has a great strength background already. Um, I think he has some experience in exercise physiology and things of that nature. So I think he kind of adapted it, and what Lachlan's looking to do is uh, help out newer arm wrestlers or somebody who wants something customized to them based off of what they're like, training. So he actually reached out to me um, and 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 said, "Hey, would you be interested in piloting this concept for me?" I said, "Absolutely," because I have not at all formally trained side pressure. Um, so we talked about, you know, what do we want to do? What, you know, what, what are my goals? What's the approach? And I said, right now, I just want to rehab my elbow. So the first, the first four weeks were geared towards like static holes, um, eccentric movements, um, things like that. So now the next four, the next four weeks of this is supposed to be more like a, a you know, one RM approach. So I asked, you know, he said, what do you want out of this? I said, uh, I'm ready to move past that, you know, those statics and eccentrics and actually do some concentric movements, but I don't want to hit those one arms right now. So he's willing to customize around what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and, and this to me, I, I haven't, I haven't started yet. I'm going to start it on Monday. Uh, but that's going to be the next phase of my training and really kind of like that ace up my sleeve doing something I've never done. And it, it, it came at the right time because I've talked about side pressure training with Todd forever. And I've kind of never done it out of fear of injury. So now this is that next phase of evolution for me where I'm going to start digging into, you know, fortifying those structural points. And, and for clarity, mate, have you had to let go of like everything else you were doing? No, time? no. And, but I have, you've got a, you've got a constant bit foundation, if you will. And this is like an additional. Yeah. So, yeah. so I asked, I, that was one of the big things. I said, look, I like to lift weights and I don't want to stop lifting weights. Laughing. Like, so like, how are you going to do it? He said, well, you're probably just going to have to spend more time in the gym. I said, okay, done. But what he did say is, you know, you, you know, sheer volume of what I'm doing already, I'm going to have to cut some things out. So really what I did was just cut out some of the peripheral movements that would be considered bodybuilding type stuff. And I've pot committed more towards armor. The flip side of that, too, is I've had to stop using some of my handles. So I've given up, like, certain of my go-to handles, like wrist wrench and things like that, and flat finger pressure. I've given that up to make way for, you know, the seven different exercises that I have from Lachlan, and usually five sets apiece. So it takes a good amount of time. But I'm happy with where I'm at right now. Um, Not 44%. But I definitely, most certainly have increased because I started at ground zero. So everybody, you know, it's easy to poke fun at Ryan for the 44% thing. But when, when you're starting conservatively early on and mapping your progress and not really pushing yourself, you can make, you know, the numerical gains are going to be there. Mm-hmm. So, no, so, it's yeah. interesting. It is. It's interesting, particularly like you say, um, the fact that you've not had to let go of everything is quite cool. You know, it, it's a hard decision, though, isn't it, to drop anything when you've got into, like, a an right. agreed or a, a, an established training regime that you think is great and you're working and you are seeing gains, which, let's be honest, Paul, you obviously have done. I mean, you've been on the ascendancy. You really have. So to let go of anything, I bet it's, it's a brave move in some respects. Well, it's one of the hardest things to do. Like, if, you, if you're one of those people, 
uh, like myself, who feels like they have to go to the gym every day and they have to be productive. You get that. You, you do look like you work out. <laughs> it gets it gets ingrained in your head that hey, you know, I've done this to get here, and I can't stop doing it. So if I want to make gains, I just have to keep adding more. And it, it really can be a toxic mind state, too, um, where you compare that back to Ryan, where he'll do whatever and he'll phase through his training, just like Devin. That's something that that's a mistake that I've made early on. Um, and, and new pullers, you know, it's not necessarily do everything, you know, do every possible movement that you possibly can. It's more like, hey, let's let's struck. Let's let's. Let's build this plan out structurally and follow it because sometimes less is more, especially when you're talking about stranger. What's that? Does the new stuff take priority? Does the old stuff take priority? How have you how have you addressed that? I I have prioritized the 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 new stuff that I'm doing with Lachlan. The only exercises that 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 are matching that priority level are straight core lifts for general strength, meaning like incline bench press. You know, military press. You know, certain things. There's just those large muscle groups are the only the only movements that I'm putting on par with this program now. Did, how, mm. how did that work, or how much did you sort of have a hand in designing the movements so that they didn't sort of screw up your training days or training regime? Because obviously, you do, you are a guy that has an extensive uh, period of time spent in the gym right now. So I can imagine you working pretty much every body part. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's a four-day split, and it's back pressure and side pressure, and it's phased. So, like, I, what I did, he gave it to me, and I switched the days around. So I'm back pressure and side pressure every other day. So it, by me just switching the order of them, I didn't have to change anything. Yeah, you could so I'm around. doing the side pressure along with any press movement and the back pressure along with any 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 pulling. Pulling movement. Yeah. yeah. Do you think is your main aim to sort of build things onto your style, or do you feel like you're you're going to be, or you want to develop into a different style of arm wrestling than the one you are currently? Well, I, I think that's all perception too. Like I don't like I think the the general perception of my style of arm wrestling is not necessarily my strengths. My goal is really to access where I probably am stronger, which is in a a deep hook, which I'm almost never there. So. Portions of that side pressure and shoulder. So, like, I have fear from bench pressing. You know, I had my subscaps and, and my rotator cuff has had issues throughout my career, and it has always had put this level of apprehensivity to going deep in. Um, whereas that's where I'm the strongest. So, I think delving into a little bit more of this side pressure supination is, in my in my mind. Not necessarily taking me to another place, but actually taking me to the place where I'm probably best. Yeah. Because mm. you were like a reinvention, weren't you, Ryan? Let's be honest. You were like, I am Devin, I am now Todd. You know? And that was like, yeah, but let's be honest, that's a pretty brave movement because that's pretty. I'm not saying it's polar opposite because Devin's got very strong joints and he can pull with structure, but nobody pulls with structure like Todd. Todd's a. Mm. Well, I, I, I have. Uh, I, I have I have followed a really alternate philosophy. Um, I, 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 I didn't start strong. Like Lachlan Adair started in arm wrestling already with a deadlift of 320 kilos. Um, so there, there, there's people who start like Paul, like Lachlan. I'm not sure what your start was like, Ray, but already athletes. I wasn't an athlete. I was coming from uh, a... a, a a L4, L5 disc injury where I, uh, I couldn't walk for a year and a half and I was muscle atrophied. I was nothing when I started. Um, so I always started with a particular athlete that I was chasing and I said, what is the one thing in this chain that will defeat that guy? And I always said, if I try to get everything, if I tried to catch Paul or Lachlan in an all-round approach, I was, it was going to be years, years before I would even get there. But if I identified the one critical movement that could d- derail them and got strong at that little thing, um, mm. then I'd be in the match. And so my evolution has largely always followed that theory of uh, what little thing do I need to defeat the next guy? So traditionally when people look at me um, at a tournament, people that I've never met before, I've often say to me, and I've had this comment probably 20 times in my life, where someone will say, you're way better than you look. You don't look strong enough to be hanging with that dude. Uh, 
And it's because of the, the style of training has always been on these little critical things that derail people. So I feel like just like Paul and, and Lachlan are, are so committed to keeping up their base programs, I'm so committed to keeping up my obscure program. Because I still feel now if I jump back into a generic program, I'm way behind. I gotta keep my, I gotta keep going on these little obscure things. So when I started out like a Devon style arm wrestler, that worked for a certain point in time. And then, like I said, I lost to Justin and I thought, well, okay, the specific thing I need now is Todd Dillock. So no, I that, went into mate, that. that. That was like a really endearing couple of minutes from you there, right? I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I feel, and I don't know about you guys at home, but I feel closer to you, Ryan, just from that. <laughs> you feel like what? Let's get together, guys. Let's get together. Because it sounds like you have had a rough road, and I identify with that, Ryan. You know, I I will know always well, be right. 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 You and me. If there's two dead bodies on this show, it's you and me. We, we're it's just clearly responsible. Mine's not an evil. No, I started that. <laughs> then got decent, and then went bad. When I was young, mate, I was fatter than Henry VIII. When I was a kid, I swear to God, when I was a kid, I used to go out playing the sandpit, or a cat tried to bury me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I, don't, I, don't take, I don't take my shirt off when I go swimming, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't take more freckles, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. The, the, you know, the whole, uh, don't, you know, you're stronger than you look. There's a number of pullers in, in arm wrestling that have got, I mean, you'd have to say Tom Holland's one of them. Kevin Bongard was a great example of that. Yeah. You looked at Kevin Bongard, you look at Tom Holland, you look at Jordan, for Christ's sake. Yeah. If, if you see Jordan walking down the street, you don't think he's going to be a top arm wrestler, do you, bud? That is my You know? Mindogus. Mindogus. Yeah, Mindogus. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, I, I really do feel that, broadly speaking, arm wrestlers are, are in those two categories. The, the guys that are the, that were rock strong, that just have solid bases, and the guys that, that don't have them, that had to figure out weird little shit to get into the match. So, full, so going full circle all the way back to last episode, where we started off talking about John and why John was the most diverse. So, you obviously, Neil and, and Ryan, you guys have the most... Um, the most interaction with John, but what 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 was what would he say is the component that allowed him to be so dominant or so diverse? Is it something big or is it something? Hand, hand and wrist. We talked about it. He, he, he often said about hand and wrist. He said I would give away thirty percent of arm strength for another five percent of hand and wrist. Right. So when you say hand and wrist, are you just are we just talking wrist flexion? No, just talking so the whole. Yes. The whole everything. The control is the the control of the angle, or in Ryan's speak, the control of the vector. Because you can halve a man's power by controlling the lane. Right. Whether it be pronator, supinator, cupping, rising, whatever, if you make them you as Ryan was saying, if you derail their game, which the the key to derailing their game is the hand and wrist. And John's so good at that. Back to back to Ryan's point of like, you know, the small component game. So when you break the hand down, people people so often say, oh, he's got a better hand than me. And they could be referring to several different planes of motion when yeah. they say he has a better hand. So yeah. when you break that hand down to those components, what it, what, what John said is the, is the most important component. From, from let's, say, let's say, flexion, supination, pronation, rise. When I've asked John that, he said, he said wrist flexion. Flexion. Okay. Because because it applies to so more it applies to more uh, opposing movement, if you will. More people are trying to gain that as their start point. Ninety percent of arm wrestlers aren't complicated to arm wrestle against. You pretty much know where they're coming from. And also, if you've watched them or you've got any prior knowledge of them, uh, most guys you've a pretty good idea where they're going to go. You've a good idea from the grip from the start of the match where they're going to go, but. If you if you haven't got that and it's somebody who's really good at concealment and they go up there and give you nothing on the setup, if you've watched their matches, you know you're like, yeah, he's going to go there, and that flexion derails most people. Yeah. Most I know, I know De- Devin Devin Larratt when 2014 when he came out to Australia and gave a seminar. I think he he was in a season where he really believed wrist flexion was what he needed at the time. This is 2014, and he said, and I'll quote Devin as 
I've almost convinced myself that 99.9% of matches are determined by who's got the stronger wrist selection at the end of the day. And, and in a lot of senses, that is true. There's obviously so much more to the sport, but when a match stops anywhere, often the most rewarding thing you can do is get one degree deeper cup. And then all of a sudden it feels, ah, there we go. I've got access to my side again, uh, or whatever. So yeah, right now, given my injury, cup is, cup is like a huge focus for me. So I'm excited about wrist flexion right now. It's massive. Massive. There's no doubt about it. It's massive. If you've got exceptional wrist flexion, you're beating most men. You know, who are close. If somebody's just too friggin' strong, if they're just a mile away, you know, they're a mile away. But if they're close, it's a game changing. Like you you hit hit the nail on the head a moment ago. It's the ability it gives you to access what you've got. It's rubber on the road, you know. It's literally, it's like having an engine with a massive, a core with a massive engine and tiny little wheels. You just, you might be strong as shit, but you're not getting any rubber down. You're not getting any power on the road. You need those tires. There they are. Yeah. And then that, that just brings me back to like, you know, how important really is it to train side pressure? You know, if you well, can't well, access side pressure, how, how, you know, should that ever that, be the top we priority? We talked the other day in that episode we did, and you look at them and you're like, dude, yeah. you are never going to go to that. That's not what you do. Yeah. I mean, it's like Charlie yeah. Latin going heavy yeah. one rep max up. Why? He's never going to fucking do it. What's the no. point? Doesn't need it. No. Doesn't need it. You know, the thing about, about the thing you need you need to condition it so it would be stable. You know, so it's there. You know, you can rely on it. I I I can change my you, perspective on side pressure because we've done it so much here, especially with Jans. And I'm like, at the point when I stop doing it too much, like two times a week, it gets better. It's, it's better. I can access much more in a match everywhere. You know. Yeah. If you've got to stabilize the center arc, you're good. Because, sorry, sorry, real quick. Like the side no, pressure, that, you know, the, it, it comes right, right here from medial epicondyl. Like all the flexor muscles are right here. So if you're doing like a lot of cupping, a lot of everything, and then you're doing this, and then you arm a sling where it's all put together, you're doing like three things on the same thing, and it's very easy to get injured. Like, someone will have tendons of steel, like Ryan has, but most will not. Like, I cannot, I cannot live to, like, sometimes when I do heavy side pressure, I, I feel fine. But then I arm muscle, then I do some wrist, and I'm like, man, you know, what, what's the point? I, I, took, I took that away, <laughs> got better. Here's the, here's the thing for me on side pressure. There, there, there is side pressure with back pressure already engaged. That's very different to side pressure with no back pressure engaged and just pure committed Todd Hutchins. Because Todd Hutchins had great success against John Brzenk early days because he bypassed John's hand. He made John's hand irrelevant because he just slammed past Yeah, but, but, said, but, but he was activating a lot of back pressure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your arm course. will open up. It, it's, it's like, I think but, back pressure together with side pressure is so overlooked. Like, you need both of those. Like yeah, no, no, sort of a directional change. Daniel Prokopchuk is so good because he can mm-hmm. keep that angle. He can lose everything, mm-hmm. but he can mm-hmm. keep that angle. That's yeah. the I, 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 agree, I agree with everything you're saying. But, for, for instance, when someone – if I'm coming up against an opponent that I, I'm convinced has a superior hand to me, if I try to engage back pressure, it's actually detrimental to my chances to winning. It really is because it's a losing battle. Okay, you can Why? you can go here. Yeah, if I'm gonna get open, I I'm gonna have no side. So if I just know that that's happening, and I, I I genuinely load it and threaten it as much as I can, so they put their eggs in that basket and then just throw my shoulder past it. If my shoulder's up to it, a la Todd Hutchins style, like okay, not what I, have a back pressure puller normally catch if they stop a match, they expect their opponent to. Surge and then rest, and then when they rest, they take control. Todd Hutchins is proof that side pressure, when it's fully supinated and your hands not involved, you can actually lean on it for a long time. And and again, look at the match with the early days match with Todd and John. When Todd slams John into a hook, and John sits down there in his defensive hook, waiting for it to become about hand. 
He's yeah. just waiting. He's like, the instant this comes, it becomes about hand, I got it. Oh, and Todd just mate. lays on. The it's two are intrinsically linked, right? And I know this from bitter experience. Around two thousand, when I when I had my joint my my joint rebuild, my my third joint rebuild operation, like two thousand three, okay. And I always used the top roll, and I, when I was in the top roll, I would then I wasn't consciously aware of the the amount of side pressure in there, but it was massive, and the match would always end. It would always end with their collapsing side, you know, and then. I, after the joint rebuild operations, I couldn't, I just didn't have shit there. And I couldn't, I couldn't pull that way. So I ended up developing a style where I got really good back pressure again. I wasn't that far, that much weaker in terms of, you know, exercises I could perform in the gym going backwards. But because I had nothing there, I'd taken all the mass out of my elbow, I couldn't come to the side. And it was like incredibly frustrating at that that two year period of time, incredibly frustrating because I'd get to a position and then as I started to move, my, my arm would just collapse and it just went. Dur, dur, dur. And I wasn't aware of that. And it was only at that time I started to think, the f- what the fuck is wrong with me? What, what's happened? What you know? And I I invested. I'll say I'll tell you what actually. Gary Roberts put a, a video out uh, in Vegas, which was shot in two thousand four. That tournament. I had a jacked up uh, shoulder on the left. Well, that's shit anyway. But I had a jacked up shoulder on the left. And my right was exactly what I've just been describing. I could go back really hard, but I didn't. And I had to go for just speed. So my weapon was just finish it. I didn't want the match to end or become anywhere engaged. I had to just shut it down straight away. Fine, finish, done. Because if it stopped, I was, I was in deep shit because I didn't have anything there. And I invested in the Mezarenko, uh, Mezarenko side press machine. You know the one that's basically mm. to build the tricep have, press? I have one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. now, I had zero ability on it. When I first got on there, the top plate, and I was like, oh, God, I couldn't do nothing. And I worked mm. religiously, just super lightweight reps, and built it up over time. And I'm, taking, I'm talking an 18, 24-month period where I just built that, built that, built that to a decent level, and yet never utilize that in a match but the top rolling ability came back and the finish of the match came back so I could get into a long pull in a top roll and it was just sustaining centre you understand what I mean? So I'd have all that yeah. Yeah. Applied, but if it stopped yeah. I could sustain centre and it was purely yeah. from that so the two, the side and the back are intrinsically linked one doesn't work without the other because you yeah. run out of space you're, you're, you're performing an arc Whichever way you look at it, the arc changes direction, but it's an arc. And if you can't conclude the arc, you just go backwards, you're gone. I do, I do, I do firmly recall when I had, when I was early years and I had pain on the inner elbow, when I would get hand control and go to finish, I would often get flare up in there and go, oh man, my side pressure is hurting, even when I'm taking the risk. Um, yeah, you're straightening your arm after the match and you can feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, it, it, and if you took someone's wrist and they flopped, slipped under you, you'd get this twang in the inside of your elbow going, Jesus, okay. So I, I, I agree. I think what at the point I was trying to say was more so just that, for me anyway, as that guy who's trying to derail people, because I feel like I'm normally balanced with guys that are fundamentally stronger than me. Mm-hmm. I, For me then, side pressure is just one of those tools that if a raw version of side pressure is the thing that I've identified as their, their Achilles heel, then I'll use it raw. I won't add anything else to it um, if that's the one. And like and like I said, Gunter's Bikovs, or anyone that's a low-hand top roller, you can get them in the strap and just punch them outside and turn their wrist from here to there all of a sudden um, without them realising. Raw side is a great way of doing that. So, um, Some guys that are, that are really good at things like... Sorry, go, Ray. Can I get something? Because I will forget everything. Like, like, you get a new guy coming to the practice, and usually they are, like, he never armistice before. They're super dangerous. Like, the first time they're on table, before they get, like, you know, tendon pains, everything. They're super dangerous, like the classic side pressure movement, because they don't know what they're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is kind of, like, you, you understand, like, from watching armistice, you see, like, guys are doing this, so you, oh, okay, so it's like this. 
So they're very dangerous there. Then you teach them to arm muscle, and all that danger goes away because they are not accessing that part of the arm. So I think with Todd, Todd was just like, you know, he's like, I did this, and it worked, and I didn't get injured, so he kept doing it, got better. doesn't matter what kind of style you do constantly, constantly. You will get better. You can pull without the wrist. You can go straight to the pad. You can pull. doesn't matter. You will get good at it if you continuously do that and not get injured. So, like, when we talk about, like, side pressure, the, my idea is you need to condition your elbow, like uh, Neil said, you know, so it it can do the things that you want to do, you know. It shouldn't, like, be this... Like the style that uh, the, the training style that Ryan chose and the style that he showed on table was completely different things. That's that's my opinion. Like hmm. when, when you when we talked about after this, will you get back? Yeah, you should get back, but maybe not to that sixty-seven because like no, you you know like when will you have a match when no one is pulling your arm away and you can just push right in the center? It it, it when when you're drained. Like it's two minutes, you're sitting on top, and then you can do this. This is usually like you know desperation move when you go this, or you teach yourself how to do it efficiently. So that's my idea of why we need side pressure. It comes, it, it helps with everything. I don't know, guys, if you saw my match like two weeks ago. I had a left arm super match. My left arm is still not good, and I have no center. And it's what exactly what Ryan uh, Neil been talking about. Like I have no this. And I have to work around it to beat the match, and it was a crazy match. But you know, side, we need side pressure, but but not as much as we really think we need it. No, it, it comes like like every if you look at any guy like uh, Oleg Petrenko, great example. If you look at him in Zloty, he's like ah, everyone like side pressure. Yeah, but he was lifting guys up with the back. Yeah, he's already he's taken here. everything away. Exactly yeah. that. It, it, it was already over because. The, well, it's almost like anticipation of the goal. Your mind tells you when you shut down. Your mind tells when you're normally in match, if it all goes, most good arm wrestling, if it goes, if everything's yeah. lost, your mind just, it's like a light switch. It's like, oh, it yeah. shut me off. And you'll get a, Vlad does it. Get, get, gets the hand, gets the side pressure, gets back pressure. A complete package. Yeah. And, and if you don't have any of, of elements that you can put as a defense mechanism, that's sure. gone. I agree with you guys completely. When I teach a new, when I teach a kid, when I teach a new guy at the club how to arm wrestle, I say cup, drag, and lean. Finish. Cup, drag, and lean. That's just, that, 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 that is where I want you to start. No pushing, just cup, drag, lean. That's all I teach Bradley right now. Just, and now I'm slowly adding killer. Top it will be killer but, in five years. <laughs> yeah. When the raw side pressure I talk about is when it's a you, you're against a balanced opponent where an emphasis on that raw side pressure can be something that derails. Yes, always you won't even be you won't even be in the conversation with that person unless you have enough fundamental back pressure. But if you do have enough fundamental back pressure to, to be in the conversation with an opponent, raw side can be a a derailing option. There are, there are some guys, I was going to say a moment ago, there are some guys that have not never been on the radar of most people for their utilisation of side uh, in a sly, cunning, concealed manner, but mm. extraordinarily effective. I'm going to name you two straight off the bat. Craig Touye. Mm-hmm. Craig Touye with that famous second hit. Okay, so he'll, he'll hit, take so much away from you in the back pressure, hit the top roll, and then the whole direction of his body will go from application here to application there. Literally, he'll go, whack! Boom. And as he does that, you, you, your body, most people, good arm wrestlers, naturally shape to the defense. So they hit, you shape, bam, and he bone lines your ass. Yeah, and it looks so impressive and feels so horrific. And if you have three shots at it, he'll not get you with it three times, but he'll get your ass with it once. I can guarantee you that. And the other guy that was amazing at that is Svetan Gosheski. He was incredible at that. He'd start to apply pressure in a certain way. You'd feel his fundamentals start to give way. His hand would start to give, his wrist would start to drop, and then he'd just do this booming two-inch movement. And I'm talking... 
a little movement. We're not talking about excessive pressure. He's not thrown his shoulder to the pad. He's moved a small distance, blisteringly quickly, off the bone line. And as, as I said a moment ago, a very advanced arm wrestler goes to amend their position. They go to start the counter. And in that fractional period of time that it takes to start that amendment, you're gone. He'll return to where he originally was. He's regained it. And he'll finish it. And you never get a second shot. And I see, I saw him do that. To, he did it to my ass. I saw him do it so many times. When I finally got to beating Svetan, it was because I knew that was coming. You had to anticipate the fact that you knew I studied so much footage of him, you knew it was coming. And once yeah. I took a pin off him, and he actually, as I walked away, it was, it, it, it was like winning a, go, a gold medal at the World Championships because he just went, ah, oh, very smart. As I walked away. And that was his way of saying, yeah, you, you read it, you knew it was coming. You know? And, uh, he was like my idol. And it was, it's, it's a nice thing that somebody, act, um, you know, they acknowledge the fact that you were watching and paying so much attention. But Svetan did that with guys like Andreas Rundstrom. And Andreas, when he walked away from the table, came up and said, that's the weirdest, where the f did that come from? Didn't expect that at all. It was just a weird directional change. But he built it into his arsenal. He just weaponized it. He weaponized the use of directional change. And he could do it. This is the amazing bit. He could do it both ways. So he'd move quickly. He'd reverse two inches quickly. And you'd fall into a trap. You'd go to adjust your hand. And as you did, bam, gone. Awesome. Love that. Sweating, like, he was such a great, like, inside armor, sir. And, and if you watch Armisen now, you're like, oh, his top roll is so amazing because his 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 elbow is injured and he has no side pressure. So he has like the hand, the the pronation always holds. If you get Svetan on a like you go to World Championships, you get Svetan. How old he is now? Close to fifties or over forties. So, I would say he's going to be similar to me, like late forties. Yeah. So he's like, you get him and you're like, man, it's a long day. You can you can watch the matches he competed seventy five kilo class mm -hmm. in Europeans amazing in worlds amazing you know it's gonna be a war he's yeah yeah I'm I'm gonna do a story on him very very soon. That's Angushevsky yeah. in terms yeah. of arm wrestling prowess uh, as good as it gets yeah yeah mm. absolutely as good as it gets drawing that drawing that back to like the training perspective. Um, and prioritization, it's, it, it, I think it, it becomes tricky because like we're talking about a lot of static strength, right? When, when we're, we're talking about protecting against counters, you know, and not leaving something open when things become redirected. Um, <clears throat> but it's like, it's, it, it, it's like what you said, right? You got a new guy come to the club and he is so dangerous just going sideways. And then the first thing you do is what Ryan said. You teach him cup, drag, lead. You don't do any of what you're good at. And then <laughs> yeah. over, over the course of five years, that arm wrestler becomes really, really good. So it's, it's like you're saying, we're, we, you have to, you have to sure up all components that make you a complete arm wrestler. But to me, the ironic part seems to be that side pressure falls so further down the game. It's the first thing that we abandon when we learn how to arm wrestle and almost the last thing that you want to sure up. To, to, to solidify your game. But without having that, that hand component, you can't access anything. And then not having the static strength. Yeah. Hey. Super key point. Okay. Wow. That I yeah, wanted that was... to make super, super key point is this. Side pressure has become trendy. It's become the thing, right? The thing to have. And I'll tell you why. Because super match arm wrestling has risen to prominence. Because side pressure particularly side pressure without the utilization of a fundamental so you've lost a wrist and hand in a big tournament isn't worth shit. Yeah, you're done. You're done. Because you might get past that Turk in round one, you might get past that Russian in round two, but if you do, Kazakhstan will beat your ass in round three. There is no doubt about it. Because the, the retention of the fundamental orthodox arm wrestling that is what you want. That, that orthodox arm wrestling is everything in a main draw, high level tournament. Super match, different. Super match, it's almost like, um, you can afford to take battle scars. You can afford to fight a fucking chimpanzee in a dustbin. You're gonna get hurt, you're gonna get busted up, but the other guy's gonna get busted up too. Yep. You know, and, and yep. that's it. It's yep. who comes out. It's how much abuse can you take. 
And that's pretty much what it comes down to. So styles and technical nuance has evolved in the same way that formats of arm wrestling have evolved, in my opinion. They really have. You know, you just you mentioned the word evolved there. Just triggered a memory of mine. Uh, maybe uh, probably a year ago. Uh, oh, hey. man. How you doing, brother? You're okay? Now listen, get out of here and close the door, please. Go Come on, go ahead. Damn. Yeah, so when I, when I was at John's, I'm not sure if it was the last time I was at John's or the time before, but we were talking about the the, the evolution of the styles of the of pulling, and we were talking a lot about Devin's evolution towards dragging and kings moving and, and pronation and, and clamping, mm. and John was like, you know, I think it's a mistake. I don't think it's the right evolution. I don't. Th- he was saying I don't think it's the strongest version of arm wrestling. And he's like, whoever bucks that trend and focuses on wrist flexion based arm wrestling is going to rise to the top of it. He's like, so fascinated. I don't know. If, will he be right or not? But I don't know. That's the perspective of the goat. It was. I loved hearing it too. It made me go, mm, okay, yeah, get that cup going. <laughs> Hi, right, Lachlan, I'm done with the program. I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I believe 100%, like, I, the strongest guys I know, like, the strongest guys that can dominate most guys will have the strongest, like, the hand. Like, that is the key. Up, like, the, like, if you take that away, you know, everyone look kind of is the same. But if you lock your hand, cock, whatever, it doesn't matter. That's the main part. You know, you go to worlds or European doesn't matter, and you have some Georgian comes up. And I remember 2013 or something about my first match. I get up, I get in the setup, I squeeze as hard as I can, and then he squeezes and everything just like I'm like, oh no, boom, it's done. And you understand, you're like, okay, so so this, I, I even cannot access this without this, you know. I, you can get in something, but. You might get injured, you know. He's just like the hand was like too much. So I, I believe to hand, hand, you know, hand, hand, hand. You know, I, I I couldn't agree more with everything John said. And here's the thing, and I'm going to make a bold or stupid claim now. When my arm put those glasses on, put those glasses on. When my, when my career effectively finished, in terms of what I was capable of doing, what I was able to do through injury and so on, I think if I could have gone on for another five years, I could have achieved a lot more. And got a lot better because I think I'd just seen the light at that time. And one of the things that I believe in, and and bear with me here, the guy that I think evolves to the top is the ultra explosive arm wrestler. And I mean ultra explosive who has that hand and wrist as well. Because look at things that Devon has said, things that Michael have said, okay, about the pronation being the ultimate weapon. Yeah, it is if you're slower than the dude. Okay. But if you're just so fr- and and pronation, the king's move is all based around disabling the hand yeah. and wrist of their opponent on their axis to the pad. They start to roll and they are their sacrificial lamb is the hand and wrist. Okay, you get a hand you get a hand and wrist that's so dominant and so powerful and yet does not engage in the fight on the setup. So shows you nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, but has the bravery and completeness to blast away at you at a ridiculous rate of knots. Nobody beats that. And why is because, oh well, a bullet only weighs a very, very small amount. But God damn it hurts when it hits you because it's going really fucking fast. <laughs> and the thing funny. is this, we've seen so many great moves like that, you know, you, 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 you speak about the, the, the guys and it's all gonna go, it's all gonna go towards pronation. It's all gonna go towards King's move. When the next evolution will be the guy that's got so much completeness there and yet can just accelerate through you at 100 miles an hour because you'll never get the King's move on. Yeah. The yeah. only chance you've got of getting that King's move on is if you're so physically gifted in terms of the length of your forearm. The, 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 yeah, that the arc yeah. prevents that. The, in other words, they're going to hit your wrist somewhere around here. If they're anywhere near the same height or same forearm length as you, they will drill your ass. And that guy, I don't, I don't think he's out there yet, or she's out there yet. 
there are some examples that are close, but they'll come. Yeah. And when that person comes, that's the person to fear the most. If the you ask Travis, is, you ask Travis, that's him. Hey, he's not that wrong. I know. I, I, I've always, I've always said if, if there was, if, if motivation for everyone was as genuine as motivation can be, and my life was on the line and I had to pick a champion to, to fight for me, I'd pick Travis. Right. Right. Listen, listen, this is, get this the right way, okay? But this is what I mean. My whole style at that time was built around the principle of this. I was never going to take steroids. And that's a fact. I just never was. I knew I was never going to be the strongest, therefore, because I'm close enough to world's strongest man and to all other strength sports to know the difference that does make. And let me tell you now, it's a really, really big difference. And I was never going to be that guy. So I was developing a style that allowed you to go through guys at such a rate and not so cleanly. It was like being able to land the knockout punch 99% of the time you threw it. So it's like I could see that little area. That's where I got a hit. Bang. I'd land it and slept me. And that is ultra effective. If you if your accuracy is above all else, it still makes you hard to beat. Mm-hmm. So the, the less I arm wrestle... That's why I'm so shite now, because the less I arm wrestle, the less accurate I have become. And my whole style was based around accuracy, being able to hit that little inch from anywhere. On that, I could adjust and bang, hit it, and it's gone. You take people away. How much more of that is? Well, if you've got a guy that, like you say, I'm not going to name names, but other people with a similar style and they take steroids and they are stronger, really friggin' effective. So, if you get a guy that's that naturally strong and is also doing whatever they need to do to win, very difficult guy to beat. Very, very difficult guy to beat. Might piss you off that that difficult to beat because you may not like that character. You may not like that individual, but they are hard to beat. Right. How much of that, how much of that explosivity, um, could be tied up more in the idea of timing rather than actual explosion? Like when you're talking about hitting the exact mark, I think hitting the exact mark, adding an aiming point to just flat out speed really puts you towards that. All right, I have to have the timing rather than because any. I mean, I think anybody can generate explosivity, you know. But what you're saying about is hitting the exact point with that well, timing is the, what's the, the, the timing is more important for the less physically endowed person. In other words, if you're shorter forearm, if your hand is smaller than your opponent, timing is of critical importance and so is the setup. It becomes less important, as does accuracy, if you are the guy with the advantage in those areas, because it's hard to miss then. The other thing, the reason why that's so important is because the strong man, the guy who's strong, the guy who's alpha male, Okay, the guy who's going to go in there and try and bully you, try and beat you up. I used to love it when you fought guys and they were angry. Because they'd come swinging, try and tear your head off. Easy to beat. Easy to beat. The guy that's not emotional, that comes in there and he's 100% focused and unswayable, that's a man to fear. You know? Same with arm wrestling. They come in, they set up, they try to dominate you, they try to bully you. If you've got the physical advantages, either parity, or slightly better than them, you don't even be that accurate. I'd let people go. Literally, I'd let them take, you know, yeah, it's okay, ref, let him go that way, let him go that way. And they go, and they think, yeah, I got you, I got you. Bam, gone. And then they get all pissed off with the referee because they were flashed before they knew what the fuck happened. And it's, hard, it's hard to do that. I've had that happen so many times. Let me tell you, so many times. People are like, no, 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 I got cheated. No, you didn't. You got whacked. <laughs> yeah. Now, the thing is, they would try and bully you. They'd try and dominate you because they knew they were stronger than you. Mm-hmm. They knew yeah. they were stronger than you. That's, yeah. that's what I, that, when Lachlan and I had our super match, casual training super match a few months ago, that was, that was the lesson I was trying to show Lachlan as well because Lachlan is typically stronger than everyone that he grips unless he goes international. In Australia, he's just too strong and he hasn't developed that field yet. I think if, if when someone with power has the feel, holy shit, and that's Travis. Travis is that. Travis has so that it feel. Is, if, if Devon Larratt 
was ultra explosive, be friggin' invincible. Yeah. If that guy was really, really, I've I've had run-ins with Devon. Uh, I love Devon. I want him to succeed. But I've had run-ins with Devon and saying the only downside, the only issue that you have is your entire arm wrestling career because of who you're surrounded by and because of your level has been spent on the counter. Mm -hmm. Has been spent defensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you had ever been, and I don't think he can. I think explosivity, if you watch how Devon moves, you can see it in his movement. You can see other guys. If you watch how Vlad moves, he's explosive. Short, just, you know, everything's fast twitch, fast twitch. Devon's not a fast twitch guy. He's got every other box ticked. If you, if that guy, if particularly that man had been fast twitch, he'd be friggin' invincible. He's as strong as he needs to be. He's got as much range as he needs to have. He's got the everything. Just that explosivity. If he ever got explosive, God. Travis are like fundamental opposites. Yeah. If Travis, and the well, way they train is the same way. Like Devin will train constantly here, fighting with a low hand and and pronator activated, yeah. holding the ball with his hand. Travis will not even train that way. He won't even engage the minute, the minute you get Travis off center, he just restarts. Yeah. He, he refuses to train a losing position because he refuses to fight there. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's funny listening to the paradoxes. Cause I mean, I've, I've got the whole training regime and, 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 um, you know, I've got the rundown from Travis and from Devin and it's so polar opposite. But the beauty of it just shows how you can be on either end of the spectrum and still be dominant. Well, it's, only, it's like, it's like going into, it's like going into battle, okay? It's like going into battle and one of you, you've got Friggin' every weapon known to man, you got an axe in your friggin' back, but you got a knife strapped to your forearm, strapped to your, you got everything for every eventuality. And the other motherfucker's got one gun and one yeah. bullet. But if that bullet hits, he will blow your head off. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Sorry. If he hits, you're fucking dead. Yeah. And the thing is, it's that simple. It doesn't matter how many weapons you took into the fight. If he hits you, you die. And Travis <laughs> got to a situation where he hit most things. And that's the, you know, you pick your, you pick your poison, you pick your weapon. But the man will come, the man or the woman will come who has all of those boxes ticked. They will come. Well, well, well John, John is that man so far in history. And when, if you look at the way Devin trains, the way Travis trains on the table with, with, with guys, they're, I mean, Devin and Travis are all stronger than, than most of the guys they're training with, and yet they find balance in different ways. The way John finds balance with me, for instance, when I've trained with him, is he will use, he will deliberately not use maybe three of the fundamentals, and he will just pick one fundamental, and he will try to control center with one basic fundamental, and he'll work his ass off. I'm using all four fundamentals going hard. He'll use one. So he will use one or one and a half or two or two and a half, depending on who his training opponent is. But he won't. He won't go super defensive. He'll try to. Yeah. Imagine if Travis. Most sense to me. Imagine if Travis hadn't been lazy, Paul. Imagine if Travis hadn't been lazy and Travis had trained all of those other disparate elements that go to make up the top man. Who the would beat him? Right. Yeah. Really? Well, well, well the, re- the real question is, is that, I mean, when you talk about Travis, you're not talking about uh, a guy with a mega, a mega big hand. So, you know, is, 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 is it something that, that maybe Travis was genetically not engineered to be able to be that balanced regardless of training? Because I know in his mind, you know, the way he rationalizes his approach to arm wrestling, it is like, let me do as little as I possibly can yes. to be as strong as I possibly can in one or two planes. And that, to him, is how he's being most efficient. Yeah, and because then, it's a great way of approaching it. Because it's a battle of attrition. And he takes little damage. He gets the job done. You know, Yana Samuelins is not dissimilar to that in terms of what he actually does at an arm wrestling table. The difference is with Yanis that he isn't physically gifted. He's like relatively small. He's a, he's a 75 kilo man. There's a, there's a distinct ceiling to what you can achieve. Svetan Gashevsky, yeah, the same. Yeah. Engin Terzi, the same. If Giannis was 130 kilos, he'd be 
he'd be he'd be the best arm wrestler on the planet. Mate, I'll tell you right now, I've said this before when I was interviewing him. You want the best arm wrestling on the planet, there's a reason that God made Engin Terzi small. Because he was too scared to make the bastard at six foot five. And I'll tell you that now. That, if you made Engin Terzi six foot five and hundred and thirty oh, kilos, man. I swear to God he will tuck it anybody you bring. Anybody. He'll tuck him in and he'll be pissed off and frowning throughout. But if that man had been built at 130 kilos, 120 kilos, and six foot five, he would be yeah. immoral. Horrible. It does, it does bring up. We might be, we're probably out of time, but I think next next episode or something. But it does bring up a super interesting point about lightweight arm wrestlers versus heavyweight arm wrestlers, and are they better? Are they are they more complete? Because they they have to be because they want to they want to hang with the big guys, so they they, they work. I love, I love Angan's argument on that. That was, listen him, listen several times, listen to him defend that argument is, is really good. He makes a lot of real good points on that. Well, you know what, guys? Is anybody, who's got another 30 minutes, 40 minutes to spare? That's on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to wrap up this episode of The Fix with 51 minutes in, but do not go away. Interesting things coming. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to do the close because I think Ray Rolly Royce may be pushed for time and we're going to try and get squeak one more shorter episode out of the mother fluffer. So uh, look at him, he looks all upset. The cats are calling. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm at the gym, I'm at the gym, I need to train. He's got a, well, that's it, you see, if you want to look as good in a tank. My, my biceps are getting flat. You know. <laughs> Come on, Ray, you've got all day, man. You, you wake up at 10. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Episode of the fix. We will see you next time. Until that.